Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. We're in a series called Body Blows. Last week, uh, Michelle delivered one to depression. Uh, And uh, this week, we're continuing uh, this series. Um, And when the Holy Spirit gave us this series last year, and we prayed about what it was supposed to be about, the word body blows came up, and here's the perspective on body blows that I want you to have. The reason why the enemy attacks the body of Christ the way he does is because he cannot attack the head. The only thing exposed to him is the body. He cannot touch the head. The last time he tried that, he got the keys taken from him, graves popped open, he went down to hell, set the captives free. It was a bad day for him. So now that he's, he's established this, this, this church, this body of believers, the reason why his, ta- his attacks are so relentless upon the body is because that's what's exposed to him. And so there are several things that the enemy tries to come in with. We would be uh, in a series for 17 months if we tried to encompass it all. But I wanted to pinpoint some areas where the enemy tries to deliver his most fatal blows. Depression is one of them. You see it all through Scripture. Michelle already addressed that. Today, I want to address the spirit of fear. I want to address the spirit of fear. Let me start by asking a question. How many people in here have ever been afraid of something? If 100% of these hands don't go up, the next body blow message will be liars. And I'll be looking at you the whole time, like, I think the Lord just put this series on me for you. I'm just kidding. Fear is a real thing. Something that can paralyze you from either, either achieving what God has put on the inside of you or getting over something that should be past you. But I want to teach, you know, all my nerves are taking notes against fear from the subject, and y'all know I'm very, very simple with my subjects. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, it's going to be a little unique today. Uh, uh, Most times when you read uh, a passage from the Gospels, uh, there are synoptic Gospels that that are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These are similar Gospels. And then there's John. John is the only one out of the four gospel writers that actually encompasses all three and a half years of Jesus's earthly ministry. Uh, And most times uh, there are similar stories in each gospel and uh, a preacher or a teacher would just kind of go through one and go, which one do I really want to, whose perspective do I want today? Uh, I'm actually going to bring everybody in the room on this one, okay? Uh, I'm bringing uh, Matthew in the room, I'm bringing Mark in the room, and I'm bringing John in the room. Because uh, this second uh, uh, story about Jesus uh, coming to interact with his disciples while they were on a boat is in Matthew's gospel, it's in Mark's gospel, and it's in John's gospel. They all say the same thing about uh, Jesus' response, but they don't say the same thing as far as their perspective. So I want to bring them all into the room. We're going to read all of their accounts, and then we'll see where it goes from there. 
Matthew chapter number 14, starting at the 22nd verse, here's what it says. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while, the, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost! Because that's exactly how you would say it if you were scared. Sometimes when we don't read, we don't read it the way they wrote it. They wouldn't go, it's a ghost. It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. That was Matthew's gospel. and He was there. He's one of the 12 disciples. Here's Mark's gospel taken from Peter's. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted, this is Mark 6, starting at the 45th verse, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up, he's just so nice, just feeds 5,000 people, not including women and children, and he sends the disciples away and he tells everybody bye individually, bye-bye, love you, thanks for coming, did you enjoy your fish and your loaves? Okay, great, bye, see you later, bye-bye. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in, their, were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble. He saw this. He saw that they were in serious trouble, roaring hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Get this. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. John 6, 16, he was there. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him, but as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived 
not their destination. So let's just bring everybody into the room for a huddle, okay? Uh, Mark, Matthew, you come in here. We need to talk to you because you were there. Uh, Mark, we need to talk to you. You talking to Peter, and so you wrote what Peter said, and so we need to holler at you for a minute. Uh, and, and then, John, you were there, so, so we need to talk to you. Uh, what is going on? I can understand why they would have different perspectives, because uh, if you were on a boat uh, and uh, it started to uh, go crazy, you would be thinking about uh, certain things that a person next to you may not be thinking about. You would be seeing certain things that the person next to you might not be paying attention to. You all can go to a movie and come out talking about different scenes of the movie. You saw the same movie, but there are certain parts of the movie that stick out to you that may be different from the person that was watching the same exact thing as you. So I don't see inconsistencies here. I see perspectives. But with that perspective, let's understand that they were on a boat. They were on a boat, and they were very, very afraid because this gale force wind came in, started agitating the waters. The water started agitating the boat, and it made them afraid. Question, have you ever been afraid? Has there been anything in your life that has come in, and it, come in, it comes in kind of suddenly, and it, when it hits you, your reaction may not be as spiritual as you thought you were. Mike Tyson has an incredible quote. People, and I'm talking about like the, 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 the Tyson when he, before he got crazy. Uh, uh, the, the Tyson when he was super focused, all these people had strategies. Oh, he's short and his arm, he doesn't have a big reach, so I'm going to use my jab and I'm going to do this and, and I'm going to do that and I can take Mike Tyson down. And here was Mike Tyson's response. Everybody, everybody, everybody has the plan to get punched in the face. That, that, that was his response to everyone's strategy. Yeah, everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. Some of us have a prayer life till we get punched in the face. Some of us have amazing devotion times till we get punched in the face. Some of us have great faith until we lose our job. Some of us have perfect attendance at church until we get offended. I'm walking in this building today. <laughs> I've been gone for three weeks. I'm coming. It's amazing when the storms of life hit us how we will react, even if we've been with Jesus. The disciples had just left Jesus not 12 hours ago. They should have been charged up from being in his presence. But life hit them so fast and they forgot just that quick what it was like to be in the Savior's presence. Because when the storms of life hit us, sometimes they cause us to be afraid. And fear can take, a, take a, a strong grip on us in such a way that it will cause us 
to literally freeze. You will forget Bible verses. You will forget to pray. You will forget that you're a child of God and that you are not your mistakes. It just all freezes. What do you do when fear comes in? Somebody made an acronym, cute acronym, several years ago about fear, that fear is nothing more than false evidence appearing real. It's when the enemy comes in and whispers a lie that to you sounds like the truth. Here is the formula that I would like to use. Uh, When there's a vulnerability in your life or a storm in your life, plus a lie of the enemy, it can sound like the truth. See, when everything is stable and the enemy tries to come in with a lie, you're like, get behind me, Satan. The devil is a lie. I am the child of the most high God. I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I am Isaiah 54 and 17. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, you shall condemn. Oh, glory, God. I believe your word and I stand on it. That's what happens when there's enough money in the account. When everybody's health is good. When the job is going great. When all of these temporal markers are fine, we are strong believers. But let something happen that lasts more than a day. All of a sudden, Isaiah 54 and 17 is no longer in your Bible. You're like, I knew it was. It was on page 1743 in my NIV Bible. I can't find it's not even, I don't know where, where'd it go? I typed it into my phone. But the I turned into an A with a question mark. <laughs> what happens? When fear comes in. Well, there's one main point to this message, and and you got to write this one down. Then I have three points uh, in response to this main point, okay? So here's your main point. Write this down. Jesus is here. Here's the reason why you don't have to fear, because Jesus is actually here. He is present with us. That's why we don't have to fear. I didn't mean there's some things that don't get on your mind that may concern you, but not to the point of worry and definitely not to the point of fear, because fear will paralyze you from believing God's truth about you. All these guys jumped into the boat. Matthew was in the boat. Peter was in the boat. John was in the boat. James was in the boat, and they're rowing to the other side of the lake. Jesus had went off to pray. They're rowing to the other side of the lake, and while they're rowing to the other side of the lake, this wind comes out of nowhere, knocks the boat, and Jesus is watching this happen, and he's not doing anything about it. He's just watching it. They'll make it. I told them they'd make it. I told them to meet me on the other side. 
which is from Jesus, a prophetic word. Because if he said it, it's going to happen. How could you ever believe that your life is going to end where it is right now when you already have a word from God that it doesn't end this way? So this has to be a lie. This has to be a temporary situation. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The enemy is a master of making temporary situations look permanent. This is the way your marriage is going to always be. Jump out now. This job is crazy. Leave now. Your resume looks more spotted than a leper. <laughs> On your 15th job, you know what? I just, I just didn't feel the peace anymore. God called me somewhere else. No, you're inconsistent. And until you sit in one place and pass this test, your next boss is going to be like the last 14 bosses until you learn not to be intimidated by what's in front of you because God already gave you a word that he would supply your needs. He didn't say you had to like your boss. Just collect that check. <laughs> Pay your tithes. Become a liberal giver. You'll be fine. He's watching it. And they're out there. <laughs> We're going to die. Scripture says, he waits. I don't know how long they were out there. Some say, one of the guys says several hours. Like 3 o'clock in the morning, he's like, oh, that's enough. Just walk out. He just walks out <laughs> on the water and just starts walking towards them. They see him. Ah! <laughs> Don't act like you wouldn't do it, too. <laughs> if I was on a cruise ship, Minding my business, on the bow of the ship, having my Titanic moment. And I see some dolphins, and I see some whales, and I turn around and see Jesus standing there. I'm a scream. Ah! It's a ghost! Jesus goes, no, it's not. Not a ghost. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Take courage. I'm here. Here's Matthew's account. Let me tell you what Peter did. Peter wasn't satisfied with I'm here. Take courage. If it's really you, <laughs> who does this? You think it's a ghost, then you talk to the ghost? In the middle of a storm, you got enough composure to lock in. If it's really you, not come over here closer, jump in the boat. I want to come out to where you are. Peter is gangster. So, so here's Jesus' response. Yes, come. Here's Peter's response. And he's actually standing on the water. Point number one, write this down. Here's, here's what I want you to write before the points, okay? Because he's here, I can. 
before, because he's here, because Jesus is here, I can, point number one, get out of the boat. Ooh, that's good. Because he's here, I can get out of this boat. Because he is present with me, if this situation is so tumultuous that I need to know that you are really here, he will give me permission to walk out of this boat and test the theory. He walks out of the boat onto water. He's walking on water. We always say, nobody's perfect. Only Jesus walked on water. Psych. Peter did too. He walked on the water. And he's like, something that should have been unstable became stable because Jesus was present. A situation that should have been unbearable became bearable because Jesus was present. A circumstance that should have been outside of your own reason to be able to stay sane becomes a level of peace, security, and safety, not because you're amazing, but because Jesus is present. He walked on something that he should have drowned in because Jesus was present. Walked out there. And then, and then after a while, he got his eyes off Jesus. Now, we... We, we, <laughs> it's amazing, uh, uh, preachers, pre- preachers sometimes bother me. Now, I say that, and I'm one of them, and so sometimes I bother myself too. Um, so it's not just everybody else, but, but, but here's why. Because sometimes we preach from a narrative in the text as if we would have done something different. Like we had more faith than the founding apostles. That our perspective would have been, if it was me, I would have kept walking to Jesus. And nobody could have stopped me. I would have walked right to him. No devil in hell. No, sir. You would have got your eyes off Jesus just like Peter did and started to drown. But here's the thing. It didn't say that he drowned. It said he started to sink. It doesn't even say it got waist deep. He just started to sink. He got his eyes off Jesus. He started to sink, and Jesus was so kind. He didn't, he didn't punish him for it. Can't believe you got your eyes off me. Swim. <laughs> if, that's the, if that's the kind of faith you're going to have, swim back home. <laughs> I don't have time for this. I'm trying to raise disciples. <laughs> Jesus is not as mean as most preachers. You can't be a good rabbi with a bad attitude. How are you going to raise disciples if you're mad every time they make a mistake? So he reaches his hand down, and he goes, oh, man, why'd you get your eyes off me? He's like, why'd you doubt? Come on, let's go back to the boat. And they, they both walked back to the boat. I don't know how far Peter got out. doesn't matter. They both walked back to the boat together. Everybody is worried about Peter's little dip instead of how... Great the depth of his faith was. He got off the boat. He walked with Jesus on water to Jesus and back to the boat. And here's how you can overcome fear. Because Jesus is present, 
You can walk on stuff that you could have sank in. You've already overcome stuff that the enemy tried to lie to you about. The same type of lies that he whispered in 2004, the same type of lies he's going to whisper in 2018. I'm just preparing you for him now. He's going to have some lie as, as if God's streak of consistency will somehow be broken by your present calamity. Oh, you finally hit the one now. He won't get you out of this one. I know he blessed you in 1997, and I know he blessed you in 03, and I know he came through for you in 2017, but, but listen, if you hit a big storm, I'm telling you, there's one that can wipe you out, and he'll just keep on trying to breathe fear into you to paralyze you from trusting in him. But because he's here, I can walk out of the boat. Point number two, write this down. Because he's here... I can stay in the boat. Now, here's the thing that I love. I love the fact that Matthew's gospel talks about Peter getting out of the boat, but Mark's gospel, who was sourced almost solely by Peter, doesn't even mention it. Peter left it out. Now, for us, that would have been bragging rights. Yeah, I'm the pastor that walked on water with Jesus. Here's my card. Here's my card. Walkonwater.com. It's a nonprofit. It's amazing. Peter. Peter shares the story with Mark, and he doesn't even mention the fact that he walked on water. All he mentions is we were scared. We was all scared, and then we thought it was a ghost, and then it wasn't a ghost. Now, here's the thing that I do want to uh, uh, bring to your attention, Mark. He intended to walk past us. <laughs> what kind of Jesus sees you in trouble and is going to walk past you in trouble? The same Jesus that said there was a good Samaritan that saw somebody beat up and bloody on the side of the road, and all the religious people passed him, but then somebody that shouldn't have even been kind to this person stopped and bound up his wounds with oil and wine and got them all back together again. This same Jesus, from the disciples' perspective, is walking not to the situation, he intends to walk by it. Like he wasn't even going to say nothing, just. Enough to let you see him, but, but not enough for him to say anything to you. Why, why would he do this? I believe it was a test. And here's how I know it was a test. The way Mark's narrative ends, it says that uh, we still didn't get the clue from the miracle of the loaves. That the same God that could provide on land could provide on the seas. That the same God that could handle my provision 
could also save my life. And the reason why he intended to walk by was not because he's being mean to them, but, but there are certain times in your life where you don't need a word from the Lord. You just need to know he's here. I believe that Jesus' walking by was meant to be something that was comforting, not that he had to say anything, but that if they were rowing and rowing and looked up and said, oh, Jesus is here. Oh, we good. We can't die because he's right there. Because if he lets us die while he's standing right there, he's not the God I thought he was. But since he's right there, we're going to make it. Let's just, let's just row towards him. But they got scared. Ah! Ah! Jesus! What does he say? Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Listen, the champion of this narrative is not Peter jumping off the boat. It's Jesus being by the boat. And whether you jump off or stay in, it takes faith to overcome the fear and stay where you are because you have a word from the Lord. Peter jumps off to test it, but the rest of the disciples stay in. And here's how we feel. Peter has more faith. I want to be, be in a group of people who are boat jumpers that have enough faith to jump off the boat. Only one out of 12. That's your ratio, people. Only one out of 12 people are boat jumpers. Only one out of every 12 people in this room are boat jumpers. And here's what we would say. I just want to be in a room full of boat jumpers. I want people to have the incredible faith to jump off boats. Well, that's not me. Can I just be honest and tell you, I'm not a boat jumper. I am risk adverse. I, I, I am. If I was on the boat, Peter would have jumped off. I'd be like, he's going to drown. <laughs> no, for real, he's always doing something like this. this is, watch, he's going to drown. And then if he would have made it, I'd have been like, that is, wow. That's impressive. And then I would have asked him about the experience. Man, that was amazing. How did you do that? But I, I'm not going to be envious of him. I'm not going to compare myself to Peter. Well, God, will you give me faith like him? I had faith to stay on that boat. I get some credit, too. <laughs> Shoot. Eleven of us had the same thought. No, we, no. Somebody got to write about this. I can't. All my parchment paper will get wet if I get in that. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I, It's okay to stay on the boat. You can overcome your fear by getting off the boat, or you can overcome your fear staying in the boat. But just go with his word. And don't let the fear paralyze you. See, what I love about this is that uh, I came to put some courage into you today. That whatever circumstance you're afraid of right now, because Jesus is present, 
you're going to make it through it. Wherever you are right now is not where you will be for the rest of your life. It's the biggest lie of the enemy. I don't care if you're in a bondage right now, you're not going to stay in that bondage. I don't care if your marriage is bad right now, it's not going to stay bad. I don't care if your kids are crazy right now, they will not stay crazy. I don't care if you're living check to check right now, you will not stay like this for the rest of your life. You will come out of it. Do not let fear lie to you and paralyze you into making a temporary circumstance feel like a permanent situation. Point number three, write this down. Oh, no, 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 not point number three. Hold on, hold on. I'm not ready for point number three. So this morning, this is so funny. This morning I was reading over this, and this, this song popped in my head. It's so funny. The songs that pop in my head when I'm reading scripture. And this is before my time. This is 11 years before my time, 1964. A woman named Dionne Warwick wrote a song called Walk On By. If you see me walking down the street and I start to cry each time we meet, walk on by. Walk on by. Remix. If you see me walking on the sea, you're not gonna die. I told you we'd meet. I walk on by. I walk on by. It'll be on iTunes, 99 cent. It's going platinum. Jamar and I will record it next week. He can walk by. And you won't die. Because he said, meet me on the other side. Bars. Like, like, like he told you we're going to go over there. So like he's not playing with your emotions. Like, like he told you you were going to be healed. He's not playing with your emotions. He told you your marriage was going to thrive. He's not playing with your emotions. But the enemy wants you to be so fearful that you stop believing to see what he said, and start accepting this moment that doesn't look like what he said. Now, point number three. Because he's here, I can get to my destination. There was something miraculous about John's perspective to the story. Because after Jesus... appears to them on the sea, looks to be walking right past them. Peter beckoning to him. Jesus responding to Peter, allowing him to walk on the water, assisting him when he started to sink. They get back on the boat. Here's what scripture says. Immediately. They were at their destination. They didn't say, he said, peace be still. The winds and the waves obeyed him. Everything calmed down. And about an hour later, we were there. No. 
Jesus gets on the boat. He calms everybody down. The wind and the waves cease to agitate the boat. The boat is stable again. Immediately, they were at their destination. Bang! They were there. Miraculous. They look up. And without anybody rowing, Without anybody going, where are we? We got turned around because the boat's been rocking and it was so, it, it was so misty out. They look up and they're at the shore. See, see, when Jesus is present with your situation, thank you, ooh, I feel this. When Jesus is present with your situation, you will make it to your destination and will be trying to figure out got good. I just came home one day and she was nice. I, I, I didn't even know how to, I didn't know if I wanted to eat the food or <laughs> give a savory sample to the dog first and see if it was okay. I, I, I don't need, like, the, uh, I was unemployed. And then I, then I, I don't know how I got this house. I mean, my credit was 444. <laughs> and, and, and then, and, and then it was right at like 700. And I, I, I mean, we started to save and I stopped buying fake Gucci stuff and <laughs> trying to impress people and bought a car I could afford and got my interest rate. But, but I look up, how am I already here? I, we, we, were, we were, Embassy City Church was in a high school, and we was trying to figure out, like, where would we be permanently? And, and then I turned around, and we own a building. I don't even know. How did we get... We get like I don't know how do you I can't remember I don't remember doing nothing different except staying on the boat and not being afraid that I would drown. See, God really doesn't need much from you. He doesn't need more of your work. <laughs> I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get my breakthrough. I'm gonna get my breakthrough. is the Lord of the breakthrough. Not you. You want to know how you're going to get a breakthrough? Obey him. That's how you get a breakthrough. Not <laughs> work harder. Let me get it. Let me get my destiny. What? What? Stay where he puts you. And when you look around, you will be there. Let me give you this scripture in Isaiah chapter number 43, verse number two. Isaiah 43, 2, this is what it says. When you go, I'm prophesying over somebody this morning. I am prophesying over you this morning with this scripture. When you go through deep waters, that's a prophecy, which means you're going through it. You're not going to stay here. 
When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. There is no situation you're about to go through that you have to be afraid of because he's with you. I um, was praying about this message and the Holy Spirit started dealing with me with some of my fears, like some personal stuff as it relates to this church, as it relates to me being the senior pastor. He just started picking them off one by one. You're afraid of this and you're afraid of that and you're afraid of this. I was going, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are, Tim. The enemy is trying to whisper lies to you. And in response to it, you're trying to row harder to get some results when I'm the one that told you to start this church. And because I'm the one that told you to start it, I'm the one that will build it. I am the one that will provide for it. I am the one that will bring the people. So why don't you calm down and just do what I tell you to do, and that's teach. I got to tell you something. There would be a lot of people in this room right now whether you raise your hand or not, that struggle with being who God called you to be because you're afraid of what other people might think. Therefore, you either suppress, push down, put on a face, because you want everybody to make sure that you're okay and they're okay. What God is calling you to do is to obey whatever he tells you to do. And he will sort out all the rest of it. But if I say this, then what if they say that? And if I don't do this, and then what if they? That's too much thinking. Just get on the boat. Do exactly what he tells you to do. The greatest way to overcome fear is to obey the last thing he told you to do. Now, some of you all are preaching my sermon and you're going, how come you didn't bring up the scripture that God has not given us the spirit of fear? But a power of love and a sound mind. And what about perfect love cast out fear? Well, you already know that one. So <laughs> I have to switch it up on you. Scriptures are profound, but the principle is deeper. Obedience is not you showing up strong. It's simply you obeying the last thing he told you to do.
So don't be afraid. Take courage. Wherever you are right now, Jesus is there too. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.